Hey, fellow marketers, what is up? Welcome to a new episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by themarketinghelp.co. Now, the Marketing Help is your number one resource to proactively manage your marketing career. And if this is your year to start your marketing career, or if you're in a marketing role, you're looking to climb Marketing Mountain and advance your career, we have the tools and templates just for you. So uh, we actually have this awesome interview guide. So it's, it's, it's a guide with questions to ask and questions to prepare to answer just for marketing roles. And you can check out that resource and a bunch of other resources at themarketinghelp.co. All right. So at the time of this upcoming episode, when we recorded it, we were, we were heading into a new year. And, you know, what better time when you're heading to a new year to talk about predictions? However, that's not this episode because we wanted this episode to be actionable. So instead of talking about predictions and prognostications, um, joined again by Jed Singer in this episode, and we wanted to share with you what we believe to be the top marketing trends heading into the new year, but not just share the trends, but actually guide you and give you some discussion pointers on how you should be talking about them. Now, this is important. This is actionable because you can take this into uh, preparation for your next interview. You can take this uh, into your next team meeting or meeting with management and just be prepared for that next networking event, that next trade show or conference that you're going to. Uh, so lots of topics to discuss. Uh, one thing to note here, uh, we did not, Jed and I did not share our our choices prior to recording. So that's interesting to see how that shakes out. But also take keep listening for our list of honorable mentions. Because again, a lot of topics to consider and think about heading into the next year. Lots of topics to discuss. Uh, hope you will enjoy it. Uh, let's take a listen. And welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast. We've got a great episode today. And um, as we get ready for all things uh, staging or party marketing career this year, uh, we wanted to share some some trending topics. But Jed, just, just kind of give us an overview of, of uh, set the stage here for what we're going to be doing today. Yeah, for sure, Eric. So this is something that we do all the time, right? When we work with our uh, mentees in our mentorship program, how to talk about certain topics in marketing, right? Because you're out at a conference or at a networking event, or you're in an interview, or you're just in the four walls of your office, and you've got to talk to potentially a, a high-level executive about a certain topic, Um that's that's trending in marketing and you want to have something smart to say. So it's sort of an ongoing theme that we've got of how to talk about blank trending topic in marketing. Uh, and we thought it would be great to just do our annual rather than a predictions, 2020 predictions pod, mm-hmm. uh, which is fun, but not, not that actionable. Uh, we thought it would be much more valuable for you to go through and, and do a top five list of how to talk about blank, how to talk about marketing topics that are trending in 2020. Uh, and I think we've both got lists from one to five. Mm-hmm. And we'll go in reverse order yep. and we'll see who's who's got what ranked where. Yeah. Awesome. Again, I like the idea. We want to make this actionable so you can do something with what we're talking about. And like, like, like Jed was saying, in the meeting, at the event, um, in your team meeting, in a meeting with your managers, whatever it is. But again, we'd rather be you be able to sit there and talk about it as opposed to just rattle off some buzzword. Um, all right. So you, you want to go s- first? You want me to go first? 
Um, you go or first. Do you want to do honorable? Do you want to do honorable mentions? We could save them for later too. I have three honorable mentions. Uh, let's save them for later. Okay. Um, go ahead. What do you got? Number five. Number five topic to talk about in 2020 is what? Yes. So this one, I I had kind of a hard time with this list. I wanted to put this one higher, Mm. but I, I had, I put it a little bit lower just because it's still really new and it's also really complicated. Uh, and complex. Mm-hmm. My number five is AI, AI mm-hmm. and marketing. Um, and so I guess for each one, we can talk about what not to say, right? When you're talking about AI and marketing, what not to say, and then, or don't say and do say. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're talking about, if you find yourself in a meeting with your CMO or, uh, you know, another high level executive within the business, um, and AI comes up for, for marketing, don't say, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's like science fiction. I really hope I don't get replaced by a, by a bot. <laughs> right. um, not, you know, not, not the most articulate or uh, even optimistic <laughs> feeling about artificial intelligence. Um, but something that you could say when you're talking about AI for marketing uh, would be something like, Wow, yeah, artificial intelligence is really a thing now in 2020. You know, we've seen, I've seen lots of successful AI activations, uh, you know, with my bank in my banking app, talking with a chatbot with my bank, or just reordering toothpaste from Alexa or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, AI is more than just friendly bots that you're talking to, that conversational piece of it. Um, That's the fun part. But you know, the, the iceberg under the water with AI is really that it's being baked into every tool that we use as marketers, um, whether it's content research, content creation, curation, advertising, targeting, advertising, bidding, delivery, you know, testing, multivariate testing, personalization on websites, email deliverability, things like that. It's, it's making our job as marketers easier if, mm-hmm. if we can take advantage of this new technology uh, with automation and organizing really big, vast amounts of unorganized data, and it frees up our brains to do the creative stuff, right? That, that it can't do yet, like strategy, like planning, uh, like design and, and creative. Um, so it's really exciting. Uh, and this is how I, I would talk about it, whether I was in a meeting internally at a networking event. It's really exciting. There's lots of different shiny activations like that bank app chatbot. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the all the power is under the surface, right? All of the operational uh, advancement that we're going to get as marketers from AI is, is the exciting part. That's how yeah. I would talk about that one. Right. And for those who don't know what AI is, artificial intelligence... Um, there could be somebody you never know, but I've also mm-hmm. heard I've I've also heard AI being referred to as automation intelligence too. So again, you, you'd, you'd want to do a little more research on that. But AI for for the majority is going to be artificial intelligence. But I, I like how you pointed out you got to talk about how it's uh, everywhere for marketers, soon to be everywhere for marketers, because again, we traditionally think about maybe uh, a chat function as opposed to like you had said, uh, automated bidding. 
mm-hmm. as, as it relates to you know managing the the load of spend for ads that right you know uh, only continues to grow so yeah software that learns right it's it's right. really exciting and i guess the thing with all of these whenever we talk with someone about how to talk about a trending topic in marketing the goal really is um to make it big picture, right? Because you're talking in small statements, you're usually going to lack some context unless you're talking with someone that you work with every single day. You're going to lack a little bit of context in terms of what's on this person's mind about that topic. And so the bigger picture you can make your statements about that, the better. Um, If you're in an interview, of course, you want to say something smart and big picture and then switch it, you know, swivel it around and ask them what they're doing with that topic uh, that you're discussing. Um, but in general, right, bigger statements are better than smaller ones. Uh, and that's wherever we're, we're trying, whenever we're, we're mentoring, we're trying to uh, not go for the obvious or the, uh, the easy thing, right. Whatever the, the shiny object is. Oh yeah. Chatbots. Oh, Siri. Yeah. I, I get Siri. Um, what's the what's the big picture value of the trending topic? Um, is it a fad or is it a trend? Right, we're usually talking about things that are trends that have some legs. So, did you have uh, AI on your list? Uh, I've got a version of it, maybe a more specific use case, mm-hmm. you know, as it would relate to uh, topics that you'd be finding in a uh, marketing campaign, or yeah. you know, if you're trying to solve, you know, build a marketing strategy for a client or your business. Okay. What was your number five? Number five. So all of my my top five, again, we, we both agreed to order these in terms of importance. So number one would, would be the what we think to be the most important for uh, training topic for the year. But my five align with, and we talked about this earlier, but you know, I look at every campaign in marketing following a certain framework. And no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, I don't care if you've got zero years experience or 15 or 50 years experience, Every marketing campaign follows a framework of you got to find the right audience, you got to get the attention of that audience, and you've got to get that audience to do something. And there's got to be action. So, audience, attention, and action, three A's. It's a framework that if you're thinking about a campaign, you got to you got to map to it somehow. So, all of my five training topics support this uh, campaign structure. So, my number five is what I'll call a uh, micro influencers. Now, mm. notice I didn't say influencer marketing, but I said specifically micro-influencers or they're otherwise known as nano-influencers. And the concept, uh, you know, again, not saying, influencer, like not saying influencer marketing because the whole purpose here is aligning with finding the right audience, right? So micro and nano-influencers. And I only, this is intriguing to me because having done it before uh, for a specific campaign, recognize the power of finding that individual who represents a specific niche and has the attention of a fixed community. Mm-hmm. And how you talk about micro-influencers is you talk about gaining the attention of the right audience, not blasting to reach mass audiences. There's a time and place for that, but this isn't what's trending. What I think is trending is smart marketers finding individuals that represent niche communities and, um, you know, basically talking about how you can gain the attention of the right audience because that's going to lead to higher engagement. It's not going to, it's going to be more of a quality play of, over a quantity play, 
But in this day and age where we know attention is the currency, uh, what better way to do that than to find the right um, micro influencer? So this could be yeah, really good. You know, if, if I had it at uh, I had it at four. Oh yeah, that was, that was oh. a good good segue. We're already nice. on the same page. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I had I had influencer marketing. Okay, but I like nano market nano influencers as well, <laughs> and micro influencers. Right. I mean, you know, you have a job at an agency, and your you know your client, if they're a B two C company, that's great. But if you're doing persona development, and you find out that one of your consumer personas is actually, I don't know, let's say it's a um, a a a working professional. Well, working professionals have and follow influencers at some level. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in the working context. It could be, as we know, the persona, maybe they work out a lot. So it could be somebody in, in the fitness community that becomes the influencer that you partner with to reach that specific niche. So that's my number five. Yeah, I like it. And, um, and, and my number four is influencer marketing. So we can mm-hmm. talk about it all together. I, I love it. And we're sort of working in the background on uh, a hype cycle. If you've seen like um, the quadrants or the cycles, the, the visualizations that come out every year from some of those research houses, uh, we're doing something similar with topics and marketing and how they're trending, um, which juxtaposes very nicely with what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, influencer marketing to me is sort of like in that valley of disillusionment mm-hmm. for marketers, uh, where it was probably a year or two ago at like maximum hype. Mm-hmm. And marketers felt like, oh my God, I've got a new channel that's going to give me all this new traffic and I'm going to have access to new customers and it's all additive and it's all gravy. Um, they're realizing, oh, the, my buyers are just engaging also with influencers. Uh, it's just another touch point in the journey, right? I'm not necessarily reaching brand new people, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm, it's another consistent touch point with the same buyer, the same prospective buyer. Um, and now, you know, marketers are realizing how difficult it is to authentically collaborate with influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things I had here to not say, if you were cornered at a uh, happy hour networking event or in an interview or something like that about influencer marketing is, yeah, we tried that. We didn't see the ROI, so we stopped doing it. Mm. <laughs> um, because, you know, just about every marketer at this point, because, you know, we're in the Valley of disillusionment with this particular channel. It was mm-hmm. very hot. Um, and just about every marketer has tried it in some way, shape or form. Uh, if you're a marketer client side in-house at a big brand, you know, you maybe have worked with a celebrity influencer or an array of celebrity influencers with millions and millions of subscribers. Um, you know, we've all seen the fire, the fire festival documentary. Uh, Sometimes that can, uh, magnificently backfire. Um, then there's that sort of micro nano influencer where they might have a subscriber base of hundreds or a few thousand, but they've got a really authentic connection with those followers, those subscribers. And then there's sort of like the power influencer in the middle that might have tens or even hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Um, and sort of your your level of connection with the people that are your subscribers as the influencer is is strongest at the bottom mm-hmm. that, that um, you know micro influencer level, uh, and it gets less authentic, less connected as you get toward the top. So marketers will have definitely experimented with this, but it's really hard 
even for the most sophisticated marketers, it's really hard to draw an ROI to those influencer programs, right? So the way that maybe I would talk about it would be something like a yes, influencer marketing, you know, we did experiment with it. We have been playing with it. Organic reach on social media has dropped basically to zero uh, over the last few years. So influencers are, are really the way that we earn reach efficiently at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we also do social advertising and things like that. Uh, but it's by working with those micro influencers and even the, the middle, the power influencers in the middle, that's how we've been able to drive some some serious referral traffic from social, which really fell off a cliff a few years ago. Um, so the thing that we're trying to work on right now is better attribution for how to actually connect some of the revenue or some of the traffic directly back to those new influencers that we've been working with. I would think that would go over well to you know a marketer or or someone. Uh, in at any level, right? If you were having that conversation, mm-hmm. um, but just to write it off, right? Isn't this something that we see all the time? Where I remember, you know, sort of infamously now, uh, the the team over at Ford, uh, whatever it was in 2011 or 2012, said we're pulling out of Facebook advertising. Facebook advertising doesn't work for us. So you know, we were investing two million last year, and we're taking it to zero because mm-hmm. Facebook advertising doesn't work for us. Um, it's sort of the knee jerk pendulum swing reaction when an experiment doesn't work exactly the way that you thought it was going to work. Uh, Or if, you know, there's a learning curve to it, which there's absolutely a learning curve with influencer marketing. Learning curve, yes. And I also like when you say how to talk about it, it's, you know, be the person that suggests, yeah, you may not have seen ROI with it before, but let's think of it a different way. And let's talk about how we can use influencer marketing to influence the other channels that we do measure ROI in because if you are, you know, strategic and thinking about who you're partnering with, then sure, you may only be able to see and measure the things that that come at the level of engagement, but if done correctly, you'll keep an eye on brand term searches, other things Mm -hmm. that turn into measurable action. So something to consider when, when, tackling that topic. Oh, the hefty topic of influencer marketing. (laughs) Um, What's your uh, number four? Number four. So, you know, having spent so much time in in e-commerce and running marketing campaigns that were, you know, driven by the got to generate $10 for every dollar we spend. uh, My number four topic is interactive emails and emails, not dead. And I'll, I'm happy to talk about that for hours if needed with anybody who would like to, uh, it's only dead to those that don't don't know how to use it. Now, I'm a little bit biased because of my background in e-commerce and having spent time working for an email platform. However, when you see the results in these campaigns and you're in a in a marketing position, you have to be able to you know be prepared to speak intelligently about. Um, it isn't about email or something else. It's about email and other channels. So working in an integrated fashion. I like that. But emails, I mean, you know, sure, emails traditionally, we know them as, you know, we've seen go through the hype cycle, like you're saying, you know, I think there's, uh, we're coming back up, right? So we're, we're getting through the disillusionment and um, I think it's realism, right? Where it starts to plateau, um, mm-hmm. you know, could be one way. But when you think about interactive emails, what I mean by that is, so... For the majority of platforms that are being used to send emails, B2C, B2B, whatever it is, you're not able to play a video in your email platform. 
like a subscriber can't open your email and hit and watch a video. However, there are ways and there are platforms that allow you to do two interesting things. And it isn't that this is the first year that it's happening, no. But this is the first year, I should say, we're starting to see the dependency on, like I said before, wanting to gain the attention of who we're trying to reach. So interactive emails could be that topic that you bring up in the conversation to do that. Now, interactive meeting, uh, there's an image carousel if you're selling product or if you're pushing webinars, you can actually um, convert or I should say get the subscriber to click in the email to uh, register for said webinar or RSVP or, or some action like that without having to link out of your email. So there's all these sort of, uh, I say, integrated experiences that are happening inside the email where we've always known it to be kind of like a mini website or it could act like that. However, with the rise in mobile adoption for the emails being opened, you know, 60% or higher via mobile devices, why not take advantage of making these more interactive for your audience? Yeah, I love that one. And and on the hype cycle of mm. marketing topics, right? It's definitely, I think, at that mature stage. Um, but some of the other things that are happening in the marketing world, email's always been like the workhorse. Mm-hmm. Uh, channel, right? It has the, the highest return, uh, super efficient, super effective. We're also getting these new things that are happening around us as marketers, like uh, having all this data at our fingertips, right? A little bit of AI or personalization, um, things like that, where all of a sudden now you can uh, get really person- personalization was was an honorable mention for me. Mm. Um, you know, you can, you can get really personalized based on CRM data. Uh, you know, if I'm on, if I'm in the Wayfair app and if I pause too long with my thumb on bookcases, I get emails for the next 17 weeks about, you know, bookcases, uh, and you know, have I gotten the right bookcase and do I want to try a different bookcase and so many timely relevant messages for me based on all the data that they're capturing in the background. Um, so I, I love that one. Cool. So three, what's your number three? Number three. Um, I had voice search for this one. Okay. Uh, voice search it has been a topic for a few years now. Yep. Uh, and it's sort of been at that, you know, it's been climbing the, the initial hype cycle bump. Um, mm-hmm. it's been trending up and up and up. Uh, and I, I think this also happens where we hear about something so much and it's sort of got a narrow view for us and we pigeonhole it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's happened with voice search. We get so used to hearing how important it is that, you know, we just sort of take it for granted a little bit. Um, and so, so two of the thing, right. I would, I would say if you get in a conversation with your boss or, uh, you know, the, the, the president or the head of another department or in a, at a networking event, I wouldn't say about voice search, our customers don't really use it, right? Mm-hmm. We're not, we don't really think it's uh, something that our customer in our industry, our customers aren't really using it. Um, because we know that everyone is adopting voice search. Um, it's, it's here to stay for sure. So I would say, do say when you're talking about voice search, uh, that it is here to stay. And I mean, over the next few years, I think the research is something like 50% of all searches online are going to be through voice. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that means everybody, that means every industry, B2B, B2C, DTC, right? All of these different types of people that we're trying to market to online are all using voice search. And it's getting baked into all the hardware that we use, right? It's, you don't have to have an Alexa device in your house. Your car is going to be voice. Your phones are all voice. Um, you know, every other device in your home is going to be voice activated uh, and integrated. And then, of course, there are all of the smart speakers uh, that Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook are, are putting out now and just trying to get into your homes. Right. Um, I would say that, you know, it, it's really important that we we as marketers are creating content that's optimized for voice searches. Yes. Google is getting better and better at natural language, right? And the future of our SEO uh, or our client's SEO is dependent on being what they call SERP zero, right? right. The, the less than one in the search engine results page, uh, that snippet, right? That featured snippet, which is what um, Google's uh, VPA, uh, Alexa, uh, Siri, all of the, the virtual personal assistants, those VPAs uh, or voice-powered assistants, those are the ones that are pulling from SERP zero, right? That featured snippet. Um, so we need to be thinking about that. It's got to be in all of our content. And, you know, we, we might even experiment with an Alexa skill in 2020, something like that. You can, you can sort of tease that you know that there are uh, some really obvious shiny objects, right? Like uh, an Alexa skill, you can mention that, um, but it should be something to be experimented with. It's mm -hmm. not the thing to hang your voice search strategy on. Well, the voice search, I thought of two things when you were saying that. One is an honorable mention that I had, you know, listen, you know, tying into this a little bit is just audio content. And mm -hmm. like and you, were, oh, yeah. you were saying that, like you got to create the right content to pick up on the adoption of voice search. Uh, which which ties into podcasting and, and just what has been happening in that space. However, right. when you say, because, you know, people think voice search and there's actually agencies now that specialize in voice search optimization. Typically, it's going to be an SEO agency that may adopt that as kind of a, a another service line or a service they provide. But when you think about the roles, how closely SEO and content start to overlap? And yes, part of SEO is on-site content, off-site content creation, but... If you're out there thinking about a career or a channel or an avenue to pursue, know that these worlds are starting to blend a lot so that if you're somebody who enjoys content creation, well, an SEO agency might be a place to go. Mm -hmm. uh, good. I like that one. Voice search. Um, so that was your th number three? That was my three. So my that number your, your three. So my number three is conversational marketing. And... Mm. Conversational marketing that is a little bit of a, um, I'll say a, a, a subcontent to your artificial intelligence um, topic, right? So, but I went a little bit deeper here in conversational marketing because conversational marketing, you know, the the, the thing that you don't want to say is uh, everyone's using chatbots, or uh, I, I like how you said it before. Yeah, chatbots don't work for our audience, or. You know, it's one of those things where there might be an ignorance to it because it may not, you may not feel like it works, but having seen it and tried it, boy, oh boy, what I can tell you is that if you work for a B2B software or work for a company that has a sales and marketing team, mm -hmm. conversation marketing 
tools or a conversational marketing strategy is something that can help you um, solve that problem of getting better qualified leads to your sales team. So how you talk about it, what you should say in a conversation is conversational marketing. Yes, I've done some research and I feel like it's a great way for us to um, provide personalized, going to your honorable mention, personalized content for the right visitor to our site that helps to uh, generate a more qualified lead for our sales team. Uh, That's what conversational marketing does. Now, if you want to go deeper, um, tools like Drift, Intercom, Live Chat. I mean, these are the tools that are owning the space now where what's interesting is, you know, there's a trend happening when you start to see big time players in the space adopt this as a feature. Um, Whether it's a big company trying to add it or a little company trying to uh, compete in the space. It's telling you that everybody wants this functionality, but you know it's about how to use the functionality to succeed as a marketer. And again, the goal here, a use case would be, like I said, is to engage with an audience that visits your site and you know where they come from. So you can start providing some personalized information like, hey, I noticed you came from this site. Can I help you with A, B, or C? And within seconds, you can get valuable information from that visitor or to that visitor in order to get them closer to whatever the action is that you want them to do. So I think conversational marketing for me, hits on more of the attention and the action components of a marketing strategy. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my number three. I really like, I'm jealous of that one. <laughs> Didn't make my list, but should have. Okay. Uh, number two. Number two for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, my number one and number two, I think, could probably be flip-flopped, depending okay. on when when we're talking. Um, I think they're both – it's like 1A, 1B, and I don't know which one is the 1A. Okay. Um, but I had number two, the point in time when I was making my notes, was customer experience, CX. Mm-hmm. CX, um, probably the, the hottest of the topics – uh, the, one of the biggest buzzwords, and it's not new. It's not like uh, something that's coming out of nowhere on us. It's always existed, but it's sort of taking on new meaning for a lot of the, you know, around a lot of the, the topics that we've just been talking about. So I would say if you are in a conversation about CX, about customer experience, don't say, yeah, our website works really well, uh, or our, our website's really fast, or something like that. Um, do say, something along the lines of customer experience is really everything that our customers touch, right? As a marketer, customer experience is everything around the customer Um, from consistent experience over the phones in a, in a customer support uh, perspective or um, on the websites or on our social media profiles uh, and accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even to, that seamless experience, that seamless handoff from marketing or self-guided learning to the sales team. Um, customer experience is is the the 360 degree wrapper, I think, around the customer, and it's what we want to do, what we need to do, better than our competitors do uh, in 2020. And it really should be our number one goal, right? Is yeah. is to do customer experience better than our competitors uh, and and 2020 is going to be the year that we do it. That would be a really great answer. I would think if you're talking to somebody about customer experience, it's, it's no one thing. It's, it's sort of everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the whole ship. 
Um, it's not this plank or the wheel or the mast. It's it's the whole ship, and you want the experience to be uh, fluid and consistent and seamless, more so, better than any of your competitors. Well, going back to the framework, audience is the number one thing. So you you have to not just understand who your audience is, but making sure that you're doing everything possible to give them the best experience, um, you know, that they could ever have, like you said, do it better than your competition. Uh, there's so many businesses and brands we know that have succeeded because they put the customer first. And it's funny how you go back to, you know, when we started, uh, teaching at Drexel, you know, the conversations back then are still relevant today. And just in terms of the importance of customer centricity, but, Mm -hmm even more so now because again, the attention is so hard to get and uh, you may think you're doing something well, but if you're not listening or providing that experience to your customers, then forget it. I mean, I remember I worked at a startup in it was the year 2000 and I first learned about customer experience as a focused thing when working with the product team hmm. and the product uh, director walked me through kind of the customer experience, kind of a workflow on, how things, you know, how they saw the product being used by customers. I remember him specifically talking just about CX, CX, customer experience, customer experience. And he was so focused on that. It was very infectious to the entire team, especially the marketing team, about thinking about how we position the company out there in paid search and everything else. So if it's coming from, that's the other thing you should be talking about as a topic in a conversation is it's got to be centered not just to, uh, what you focus on for those customers, but it's got to be internal as well. If everybody is saying the same thing and thinking the same thing about that customer, uh, that's how you're going to succeed. Because it can't right. it can't just be one person, can't be top down. It's got to be organically ex- accepted by everybody in the company. Right, and and it's sort of like a, a rallying cry, also. Right, you, you mentioned customer centricity, which was another of my honorable mentions, but that really works hand in hand with customer experience. Mm-hmm. Thinking about customer experience, thinking of the entire journey of, you know, organizationally going from marketing to sales to care, Mm -hmm. right? Those three teams servicing the customer from the time when the customer is unknown to the time that they're known to the time that they become a customer, they transition from a prospect to a lead to a customer to a loyal customer, right? And even an advocate, that whole thing of all different, all those three different teams within the organization is the customer experience. So marketing really needs to drive that uh, adoption, that mindset shift of this is not just three separate teams within our organization. This is the customer experience and we're all accountable for different phases of it. Mm-hmm. And they all need to work together and they all need to feel seamless and consistent to the, to the customer, right? They're, they're at the they're at the heart of what we're trying to achieve here. And, and, you know, if you're asking me or if you're at a marketing in a marketing conversation, it would be a good thing to say that marketing's job is really to spearhead uh, that, that mind shift internally within the organization. Well, it's great that you brought up something customer focused for you. Like you said, your, your number two and number one were, could have been interchangeable. It's, it's, it's interesting because my two and one are really fed by customer centricity or, or, like you're saying about the customer experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number two is actually, uh, and it may sound broad, but I've got context. My number two is branding. Branding is okay. a topic that you need to be talking about in, tw- in 2020 in your conversations 
because of, again, go back to the framework. You know, you found your audience. How do you get their attention? Well, again, depending on whatever brand you're working for, whatever marketing campaign you're constructing, branding is an element that is a must, must, must have that isn't just about running ads, isn't just about generating impressions, isn't just about um, putting a video somewhere so that someone sees it. You have to think about branding from the um, under the un, uh, under the direction of trying to build authentic trust. I like so, it. what's old is new again. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So new, but it's it's because of where we are in the struggle to gain the attention of the right audience. So, right. and so with so many channels, like we, right? We're talking about brand new channels. We're talking about maturing. Uh, channels like email, we're talking about channels where we don't have that much control, like mm-hmm. influencer marketing and voice search, right? right? Where we're so dependent on intermediaries, like like your Echo device, uh, or like a, an influencer that you've got to get a 1099 from. Right. Um, you know, it's that much harder now than ever before to maintain a consistent brand that that gets the value across with with the branding. Mm-hmm. It, that um, I mean, correct. That the, when it comes to the branding, it's um, it's the consistency. I, I like that word because it's it's the brands that have an inconsistent uh, go at it that are the ones that are still struggling. However, even if it's around a specific campaign, uh, think about how many you know uh, brands are taking advantage of the uh, the causes and the social good. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, and how, how much research have we seen that says if you're a brand that supports a social cause, somebody's X percent more likely to purchase with you. So, but we're not doing it for the sake of doing it. We're doing it because our brand really believes in that. And we have a strong culture and we are a brand that you can trust. Um, think of all the social fails of all the brands that missed it in the last couple of years. Right. And, you know, if you're someone who's running marketing campaigns, it's how do you proactively get ahead of that by positioning yourself as a brand that somebody can trust, a brand that somebody, again, brand's all about touching an emotion and getting an emotional reaction out of somebody. So how do you make that part of the conversations uh, on, on it being something important that, that a marketing campaign needs to include? And I, I love this one even more um, because, so content marketing was not on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, probably could have been, but I think it's, it's mature at this stage. I would think maybe it might've been on the list two years ago, three years ago. I think it's, it's pretty mature at this stage. Um, there aren't that many people that don't know what it is. Haven't, haven't sort of integrated it at a fundamental level in their marketing. Um, but with content, right. And, and social media in the same vein, there's so much content that needs to get produced now. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of social posts that are going out, uh, or dozens and dozens of articles or webinars or infographics that businesses are creating to stay relevant through content, it's that much harder or that much more important to maintain that brand aesthetic, that brand integrity, to maintain the same voice, right? It's how, how do you maintain the same brand voice when you've got chatbots handling? Mm-hmm interactions with your customers. Right. It's really hard. I love yeah. this one. And that's where it's like, you know, you think about jobs. So content producers, content creators, you know, you talk, you meet marketers that have a creative side to them, but they want to be part of the marketing. Well, guess what? 
uh, companies that embrace this sort of thinking are the places you want to be. Mm-hmm. You, you think about like what Dollar Shave Club did with their branding and how on a, on a very small budget, they were able to produce this brand of fun and brand that you wanted to connect with. If you were the right audience that went from males, now it includes females. Or if you're MailChimp that actually uh, for a B2B software company uh, started creating little mini um, episodes of uh, like almost like a like an office style uh, seven minute comedy video short it had nothing to do with email, but it was very engaging, but very on point with their brand that it was fun. It was interesting. Uh, it made you, um, you know, feel like you wanted to keep on watching the next. So they just kind of went there with, yeah, let's just create brand elements that are representative of, of who we are. And right. aligning with their brand strategies, whatever it is, you could probably reverse engineer it. But just some examples of how companies are are getting on board with investing in branding. That I'm sure either some of those examples, no one can sit there and say yes, it generated this many sales. But what they can say is that there's probably other things that it influenced, like we talked about before. Is get behind branding, talk about it as a topic of something that can help influence those other uh, workhorse channels. Absolutely. And I mean, Old Spice comes to mind too, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a brand that y- you knew when you were interacting with Old Spice, didn't matter what the channel was. I, I think they might've sort of lost their mojo a little bit the last couple of years, but um, you know, 2010 to 2015, right. When uh, they were creating the the YouTube shorts, right. Just sort of churning out YouTube yeah. videos with right. uh, whatever his name was in the, yep. in the towel. Yeah, um, Mustafa, right? And they were creating sort of interactive eight-bit uh, games that you could play um, through social, directly through social media, right? There was that like Matumbo, Dikembe Matumbo game, uh, just sort <laughs> of irreverent, funny, fun, uh, sort of um, engaging. You know, they, you knew when you were interacting with something from Old Spice, and you always got that same level of fun and irreverence from all of their marketing uh, right. and it didn't feel like marketing right and uh, I could you know Red Bull talking about fun Red Bull's another great example where for a decade now they've been doing branding in the form of not just their fun illustrated uh, sort of odd TV commercials but all their events right they they host something like one event per day somewhere around the world mm. uh, whether it's you know if you remember Felix Bumgardner jumping out of space. <laughs> Right, the, the space jump yeah. um, to their flug tag thing that they do uh, with you know where they get tens of thousands of people to show up to these events right. that are sort of like adrenaline junkie events a little bit. Uh, they're on college campuses. They've got the flight crew of of you know the college kids that go around with the Red Bull backpacks. You sort of know when you're interacting with a piece of Red Bull content wherever it is, you know, regular, real world, uh, or or digital, um, and you know just really exa- good examples of what branding can do that's bigger than uh, you know revenue or, or conversions right, right. It's, it's right. A bigger picture and, and, it, and it applies to the local pizza shop and the HVAC manufacturer and any business can take you know nods and pieces of what you're seeing from the bigger consumer brands absolutely and make it work uh, for for your brand but again go back to the framework do you know your audience you got to know your audience and what makes them tick and what their needs are, et cetera, that will lead you to the sort of branding content that you can create. Love so it. That was my, what was your, so that was my two. You gave your, your two. two. 
All right. My last one. Um, Number one, most important topic in 2020 <laughs> that you should uh, be talking about. Customer data privacy. Um, <laughs> did you have this one on yours? Privacy is my number one. Look at that. Yep. Um, always, always in lockstep. We did not share. We did not <laughs> right. share before this. That's right. Um, so this this will be easy. We can both talk about it together. Um, I would say if you're talking about data privacy and particularly customer data and you're at a networking event or in an interview or uh, interviewing someone to join your team or something like that, don't say something along the lines of, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure our IT team is working on that. Pretty sure we're okay. Uh, this is not the thing where you want to sort of abdicate all responsibility and hope that another team is working on it. Uh, as marketers, we really have to be uh, or start to be more obsessed with our mm. customers' data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something I would say is something along the lines of it's it's really amazing the way that data has jumped to the front of everyone's minds, consumers' minds even, with data leaks and Cambridge Analytica a few years ago, and you know all of these data stories that are coming out in the news are putting it in people's the forefront of people's minds, and then big regulatory bodies are making strides. Like we have GDPR now, mm-hmm. and we have uh, CCPA right yep. in California, and that's it's only going to be adopted by more and more states. It's not a fad; it's a trend. Right. And it's super important that we as marketers do right by our customers and our buyers by treating their data as though it were our own data, right? Our own personal data or our employers, our business data. Uh, it's it's something that we are baking into our marketing operations even more in 2020 is I think would be a, a really good answer or a really good thing to say about customer privacy and data. Uh, y- yes, Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up those acronyms because I was going to say, if you're listening to this right now and you don't know what GDPR stands for, and you don't know what CCPA stands for, uh, and you don't know what CAN SPAM stands for, then do yourself a favor and Google those. We can provide links in the show notes. But uh, these are the this is the terminology that we all need to start getting comfortable with, but making top of mind, like you're saying, as a marketer, uh, you know, what's sexy about a, a campaign and why do you need to worry about privacy when it comes to a campaign? I mean, obviously, you worry about it in terms of, I like how you put it, being obsessed with your customer's data. So when you're capturing email addresses, are you following the standards that are necessary so that uh, your customer can trust you and know that your expectations or their expectations are being met? Right. And it's, uh, the, it's the new normal, right? And it touches all of our, all of our channels because we collect the, it's not just digital. I know we talk a lot about digital because you and I are both digital guys, but uh, this is traditional marketing too, right? There's, there's data capture at conferences, trade shows. Uh, you know, there's mailers that go out in the, in the analog mail. Um, customer data is everywhere and it's, it's just the new normal. And I couldn't think of a more important one for the list than yeah. something like this, where there's so much at stake, right? right. It's the trust of your customer. Uh, it's, it's regulated. So there are penalties, fines in the form of billions of dollars for some of these tech companies. Right. Um, you can, you can get in, you know, from a marketing standpoint, it's also changing HIPAA compliance and, and healthcare, right? It, it has different flavors for different industries 
that you're in as a marketer. And it's just become so critical. And, and the guidance from those regulatory bodies is changing, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is in flux right now. Yes, we've got GDPR. Yes, we've got CCPA. Um, but those things aren't set in stone, right? They're right. going to get updated, revised. There's going to be new guidance for different states in the U.S. There's going to be new guidance for different countries around the world. And if you're doing any amount of business in those countries, marketers now need to be aware of this. And it's not just your responsibility, right? You, you know, Don't be intimidated or daunted that you've got to go out and learn some uh, legalese right? and, and become a lawyer at night. Um, no, you need to know what's important from a marketer's standpoint. What are the, the, um, processes that you have that need to get updated or how your systems are managed that it, yeah, it is working on a lot of different things. They're not just working on marketing it. They're working on sales it. They're working on operational it, depending on your industry, they're working on the product, right? If you're a software business, uh, you know, in, in healthcare, they're working on other projects. They're just supporting marketing with one part of their brain or one part of the function. Uh, and so you've got to be working hand in hand with them. And in marketing is really the, the change agent with all of this stuff, right? And so if, if it's sales that also needs to get involved in the data conversation, because sales is grabbing names from the CRM, and blasting out emails to thousands of people through Outlook, <laughs> right? Or, or whatever's happening. You as the marketing team need to identify some leadership within the function who's going to go around and, and figure out how you're using data today, make sure that you're compliant, and then figure out how you're going to stay compliant right. in the future. Um, and, and it's just infused in everything we do. That's why I, I agree. I think it has to be number one. And there, and there's other elements that show that it's important. There's teams that are being hired, you know, privacy teams inside of companies, and this is their sole focus. No, they're not lawyers, but they're focused on ensuring that the data is protected and that they don't end up. Part of it's a a defensive move. Part of it's an offensive move. But no brand wants to be on the front page news about a breach. Uh, Chances are, it's going to keep continue happening. But if you're not preparing yourself for it, uh, that's that's a signal that says that it's pretty important. Now, if you're in a conversation about privacy, why not ask this question? Hey, how can we be more transparent with our customers' data with our customers? Like, Ooh, meaning, I like that. How can we be more transparent, letting them know what we're doing? And you know, you say this, or you know, there's ways to do this in emails. There's ways to do this in communication surveys. Um, you know, but but if you're in a marketing campaign or in a marketing role, launching a campaign. Ask that question. How can we be more transparent? How can we let our customers know that we are uh, we have their needs top of mind? And this could be as easy as a message to them, email, or whichever way they respond, just saying, just to let you know we've updated this, or just to let you know um, uh, you sign up for our, our list via this form. Something like that, a way to just show that um, you want to make sure that they're there for the right reasons. The, and as I say, the other thing is the advent of these other browsers that are coming out like Brave, which is a browser that rewards you for um, uh, wanting to have a, a more private browser. And then there's DuckDuckGo, which everyone will say, what's sure. that? But DuckDuckGo is the search engine that does not track anything, any data around you. And... We're they, so we know what DuckDuckGo is, right? Yeah, DuckDuckGo has been around for years, but... 
they're is that just a Philly company. Yeah, yeah, they're based right. in in Wayne. They're they're they've been around for years, but again, no one was talking about them because it wasn't sexy because they weren't doing anything with the data to generate ad revenue, etc. But now you Google them, you'll see articles covering them and why they're the smart play. And I think yeah. even Elon Musk refers to them as his go-to search engine. So you know, you know, there's a play there as well. So you're right. Privacy is key. Number one, uh, it's got to be something that you're you're thinking about. And with all of these, if you want to sound super smart, not just regular smart, um, this is a common mistake or phobia that we see with younger marketers that are a few years into their careers, um, where it's a little bit it's a little bit imposter syndrome, right? Where you want to sound smart for the reason of showing people that you know it, that you know it all, um, and you've got the answers. Uh, when the smartest thing you can do is ask the right question, right? Because even if you're not talking to your boss, right? If you're talking to somebody from another department, or if you're talking to somebody at a networking event, or if you're talking to somebody in an interview, the smartest thing sometimes is is just asking the right question. So with all of these trending topics, um, you want to also ask the other person what their perspective is, not just answer the question and move on. But when it comes to privacy, oh yeah, you give them you know the the smart things that we were talking about. You know, I'm putting smart in air quotes. Where <laughs> we we think this uh, this sound these sound like smart answers, but you also want to ask the person what are they doing, right? What have you been doing as as CCPA starts to get going? Have, has your team been working on anything differently? Uh, what's the biggest learning? your team has had as you've tried to conquer this thing um, or voice search, right? With any of these topics, what is your team working on? Or if they're not in marketing and you're just having sort of a conversation with your CFO or your CTO or someone like that at the company, what, what, have, what have you heard? Did you hear of something about voice search that made you ask? Is there something you think we should be working on? You know, I'm all ears. I'm always looking to uh, understand the different perspectives that we have within the company uh, so I'd love to know, you know, what you, what your thoughts around uh, voice search are as the CTO or the CIO. Um, asking a good question really is 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 the way to make people understand, sh- show that you understand what we're talking about, but also that you don't know everything, right? And and you can gain knowledge from everybody uh, who has done something differently, or done something better, or done something worse, right? We've had podcasts and interviews where people talk about failures and how you learn so much more from those, right? There's always someone that's got a good story for you that you can learn from. Right. All right. You want to quickly, uh, what were your, yeah, what were your, mine were AI, uh, influencer marketing, voice search, CX, and customer data privacy. Nice. So my five, number five, micro influencers, four was interactive emails, three conversational marketing, two is branding, and one is privacy. I love it. So, what, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to ask if you had uh, honor, any other honorable mentions that we didn't come up. Uh, right. So honorable mentions I have listed here is personalization, audio content, yep. and customer centricity. Yep. Honor, uh, um, audio content I'm jealous of. I didn't, I didn't think of that one. Um, personalization I had, I mentioned content marketing um, just because it's, it's sort of hit a maturity level that I think we're all, we're all familiar. Um, and then MarTech optimization was my other one. Nice. We've just got so many tools and, and 
the fracturing of and the reliance for marketers on tools, software, our MarTech stacks are getting so complex. Yep. Um, you know, you you look at the chief MarTech or Scott Brinker's um, MarTech landscape. Yeah. It's now, I think, over 7,000. <laughs> I think he stopped um, because it just keeps uh, growing by such a crazy rate every single year. So MarTech optimization has become really important, I think, in terms of what marketers should be paying attention to. Are we overspending on software? Are we creating complexity where we don't need it? Um, in in light of our number one, right, customer data privacy, are, are we making sure that we have just the right number of systems and they're all compliant with our privacy standards? Um, or do we have, do we have exposure? Uh, are we creating customer data exposure anywhere by having so many tools and systems? And it's just expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, marketing budgets, I think in the latest CMO report from Gartner, marketing budgets are flat. Um, they might actually be dropping a little bit uh, because they were increasing by so much a couple of years ago as marketers and, and marketing departments were over-investing in MarTech. So their marketers are tightening the belt a little bit. And I think MarTech optimization is going to be something that, while it's not the sexiest thing in the world to talk about at a, a happy hour or a networking event or something like that, it's definitely worth talking about within the four walls of your, of your company, um, especially if you happen to find yourself in the elevator with the CFO uh, <laughs> or, or if you're in an interview, right? right. If, you've, if you've done a MarTech optimization uh, project uh, and, and you can mention that in an interview and how much uh, you know, spend you might have saved by reducing the number of tools and systems you work, you, your last company worked with, ooh, that's gold. Well, you're right. I mean, marketing technology could be the linchpin for a marketing organization, agency, team, et cetera. It's just, again, it's not the sexiest thing, but it's the thing that makes it all go in, in most cases. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. So what do we want people to do here? So we've, we've, we've covered a couple of topics. If you're sitting there saying, hey, you guys missed this one, you missed that one. Well, let, let's get a discussion going, right? Let's, um, so tag us in, in Twitter. And our handle is uh, the MKTG help. That's our handle in Twitter. And I'll put all this in the show notes. Uh, send us a message on LinkedIn. You can find Jed or myself on LinkedIn and just tag us and just say, hey, here's a topic you missed on your episode. Uh, or shoot us an email, connect at themarketinghelp.co. Or even reach out to us, connect with us on LinkedIn and shoot us a message. Um, love connecting with smart marketers. Uh, and, and this is really... One of one of our favorite uh, themes, right, is is how to talk about these trending topics, and so we're we're going to do a lot more of these posts, just sort of spotlighting trends mm -hmm. as they become more relevant throughout the year. And we'll probably go back maybe halfway through the year, maybe in June or July, we'll go back and we'll see if any of the uh, trending topics in our list might have jumped up, if any places have switched. We'll right. share out a uh, a graphic, a visual of our of our ten ranking. Uh, uh, 10 rankings of the trending topics. Uh, right. So I love, I love doing these how to talk abouts. Right. And I, and I love keeping tabs on it to see where they've gone. An honorable mention might be number one, uh, right. depending on what happens in, in, in the industry. So we'll see. Uh, so, so stay tuned with that. The one thing I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with here, and here's a tip, anyone listening that has gotten through, you know, taking notes or, or wanting to learn more about these, these trending topics is if you're preparing for a conversation with any of these training topics, like for that meeting, for that update, for the networking event, do yourself a favor and find these three things for each of the topics. First, find an example. 
and this is this is going to influence your Google search when you go to dig deeper on these topics. Find an example. Find a company that's doing it. Find a company that's had a you know uh, has a specific example that you can share. So find the example. Secondly, find tools that are relevant to the topic. We mentioned a couple, but for every topic, you can go deeper and find a bunch of other tools that are relevant, and that's going to just equip you for that conversation. And then lastly, maybe find an article, and whether it's a blog post, an update, you know, a top ten list, something around that topic. Uh, that will probably provide a little bit more insight information for you. So if you take these topics, you do those, look for those three things for every topic, uh, you will be prepared to talk about that trend and you'll be seen as a smart marker in the eyes of your peers, network, boss, manager, etc. So if you have a success story, we'd love to hear about it. Anything else, Jed, for wrapping up? No, this was great. Thanks yeah, for- good stuff. So... That'll do it for this episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we will check you on the next episode. Okay, so there's at least 10 marketing topics um, and some guidance on how to talk about them as you head into the next year. So your next step is let's keep the conversation going. Did we miss a topic? Do you agree, disagree with some of the topics we shared? Uh, Tag us in Twitter. Uh, Our handle is at the MKTG help. Uh, also connect with us on LinkedIn, either Jed, myself directly or the marketing help um, profile, or you can just send us an email at connect at the marketing And let's keep an eye out for future episodes in the coming months. We're going to keep an eye on how these trends are progressing, but we're also going to share stories of how you guys are talking about these trends. How did you incorporate what you've heard today into those interviews, meetings, conferences, networking events, So keep an eye out for those uh, coming up. And uh, as always, if you have any needs or need something specific in as help for advancing your marketing career, you can always email me directly at eric, E-R-I-K, at themarketinghelp.co. So until next time, this is your host, Eric Harbison. And remember, today is a great day to proactively manage your marketing career.